Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are an angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to talk about Time Bomb and the girl in question. Wrapping, getting very close to the end of season five, which is to say the very end of the whole show. We yes. are in an interesting place. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm already laughing because yeah. just, I think we should start by telling everybody that we don't know how we're going to talk it's about true. these It's true. It's true. I mean, we're, we, we're, I understand, even for us recording, it's like, it's not fun to not enjoy the show, so I imagine other people listening feel the same, where it's like, probably gets old to just hear us talk about things we didn't like about this show. Um, so we're going to do our best to, you know, have a thoughtful discussion about it, or at least a sort of interesting discussion, and not get too complainy about it, but it's also going to be a little bit challenging, because we did not like these episodes, <laughs> and I think I had pretty similar feelings about them overall. And actually, I'm curious if anyone listening watched these episodes and liked them. I really want... It's true. I'm, I'm yeah. just actually genuinely curious to know what about them spoke to you, like, why you like them, why you think they fit, because we'll get into it, but, like, personally, I have a lot of issues with the meat of these episodes, but also their the timing in yeah. the, the grand scheme of Angel. It's um, true. Specifically like said, the second the episode. The yeah. <laughs> These are very frustrating episodes to have as our anti-penultimate yeah. episodes. So. Oh, but good job for bringing that word up. I will never, Yay. we will never not <laughs> love that word. It is always fun. Uh, anti-penultimate, penultimate, any of these, anything in that realm, all pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I threw that in there so naturally. You too. did. So proud of myself. <laughs> Sorry for calling it out and then making it unnatural, but you did use it naturally. That's okay. Um, all right. Well, before we get into that part of this yeah. discussion. Ginny, how are you doing? Uh, God, I don't, I don't know. I want to hear about your baking adventures because I don't have anything oh to go off of and it sounds like you had some. Oh, well, I don't I know s- if this is going to help us keep the tone light. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm really cranky at the moment, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some cute mini cupcakes, so I don't know Yeah, what those I'm not cranky about. Okay. I mean, the frosting didn't come out as well as the last time I made it, but it's still really good and when you chill it, it has the added twist of becoming basically like cheesecake Mm, like okay it's it's so good um so yes I made mini cupcakes and the frosting is like this cream cheese frosting that's like a German buttercream which basically just means that you mix what is essentially pudding into Mm. the butter and cream Mm, cheese which sweetens it and gives it structure and lightens it it's okay so crazy good okay um because it tastes like cream cheese frosting but it's not overly tangy nor is it overly sweet Mm -hmm. it's just like a perfect bite of cheesecake honestly okay um and i put that on top of these little carrot cake cupcakes okay um which i have made this whole recipe before this is the brave tart carrot cake recipe um i made them before in the cake form and i always felt like i had nailed the frosting and kind of overbaked the cake and this time i felt the opposite like i nailed the cupcakes and Mm-hmm. didn't nail the frosting, but overall still really, really good. So I was really pleased with that. Uh, the only downside of mini cupcakes, they're literally a bite each. Yeah, so, so then you eat They're disappearing fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I've already had three this morning. <laughs> I was okay. just like, whoo. Um, but then I was going to make ice cream. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm making a lemon meringue pie ice cream. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. And I obviously wanted to make meringue to kind of put in it. I made 
what I thought was the right amount. I ended up with maybe a half a cup of meringue. I was like, okay, obviously this is not enough. <laughs> okay. So I had to make meringue twice yesterday. I was like really annoyed. But then in the course of all this baking, like my oven was on basically mm-hmm. all day. And so when it came time to make the ice cream, you know, I froze in the container overnight. It had probably been frozen for 24 hours at that point. Mm-hmm. And the ice cream just would not freeze. Mm. So I was like, well, my kitchen's really warm. That's probably the issue. Because you know those little countertop machines, they're really finicky. Like, you Mm. really need to have that machine frozen solid. And if it's at all warm Mm -hmm. in your environment where you're turning, they just basically melt. Plus the machine, I don't remember if this was always the case, but it gets really hot. Uh So it's, like, melting from the bottom. So Uh all of this, like, means I just had soup. So I was like... I'm, I was like, over this, I'm done. So I put everything back in the fridge. I put the container back in the freezer for 12 hours. Like, they tell you to freeze it for, like, 4 to 8 or something. So 12 should be plenty. This morning, it's nice and cool in my apartment. I decide I'm going to churn it up again. Still soup. Okay. So I can't make my ice cream. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to try a method that I can't read online because I'm not subscribing to Test Kitchen. Mm-hmm. But... I watched it on TV, and I think I remember how I can do it, where it's like you kind of partially freeze it, then you whip it, then you freeze it, then you whip it. It's going to take forever, but I think I can at least make something edible out of this. Okay. I'm just... And then earlier last week, I made a tart that was supposed to be... Like, uh, it looks so good. It basically looks like a giant Queen of Like, Mm -hmm. it's basically a brioche tart with this caramel cream mixture that you butter thing that you pour on top and bake on top of it mm-hmm. it looks so good well the recipe called for fresh yeast which yeah. difficult to find in normal circumstances yeah. pretty much impossible right now mm-hmm. so i had a packet of active dry which is like the opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. of yeast from the kind <laughs> i needed so i did all this math i like looked up conversions online and i was like i can do this the problem being to activate this is getting really technical, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, like, to activate the kind of yeast I had, I needed to add liquid because mm-hmm. you bloom it in the liquid. Right. But the recipe didn't call for liquid. But I was like, well, if I add a little bit, it'll probably be fine. Uh-huh. I basically baked up, instead of beautiful brioche, like a cracker. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it didn't rise at all. <sighs> and a cracker with, like, caramel. I mean, look, it tasted delicious. I right. won't deny that. Just texturally, not that great. Yeah. I was like, I have all this free time now. I've been doing all this baking. And, like, my success rate is really small. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm hoping to do something with the ice cream today. And then I don't know why, but I also have plans to make another tart. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, who's eating all this? Like, I – well – I mean, my friend has been delivering, like, baked goods to his office because, like, they're still going in. They work, like, in a retail environment. Mm -hmm. So they've they've been helping pick up some of the slack. So I'm going to have to make a delivery. But Mm -hmm. I've got 16 cupcakes in my freezer and, you know, ice cream I'm going to make. Well, the ice cream is for me. Um, And, well, that doesn't travel. Yeah. No, you can't. And then half a tart. Like, I I don't know. And then I also want to make cinnamon raisin bread. Mm -hmm. This is all I do anymore is just bake. And like, and then I go for like long walks because I'm like, well, if I'm eating all this stuff, I've got to do something. It's funny, So that's where I'm at. I'm just, like, I'm starting to get really discouraged in the kitchen. (laughs) Also, I think my refrigerator is dying. Oh, no. So it's just making terrible noises. I think, honestly, what needs to happen is I need to pull it out and vacuum. Like, it's probably got so much dust behind Mm. it. But the way my kitchen is configured is you literally can't do that. Yeah. Like, there's... 
the stove. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that reminds me of a couple things. First of all, something I am very grateful for is that our AC came on this week. Yay. Because it was really starting to get uncomfortable yesterday. So that's a good thing. It does make, you know, it's like you're talking about all this. And I I actually had a minor baking success last weekend, but I don't feel like baking now because it's like, I don't want to heat up my apartment. (laughs) I just Mm, got it cool. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So probably not in my future. Although maybe I can come up with some colder base things to do like maybe just putting again I actually haven't done that in a while so um but last weekend I discovered that I at some point over the last six months threw away our cupcake pan and I, oh. I'm sure that I did it because it was it I must have like scraped too much of the like nonstick coating off or something and I decided it was like maybe getting unsafe I don't remember this explicitly but I had a vague recollection of like okay I must have done this because I was just like really really craving muffins kind of like a blueberry muffin, but like kind of anything at that point. And then I I was like, well, whatever, I'm just going to make it work. So I just made a blueberry muffin recipe and I used mixed berries and didn't have frozen blueberries. (laughs) Uh, And then I just put it in a cake pan and it turned out great. It was, it was great. I was worried that I was going to mess up the baking time. You know, not that this is that complicated of a thing, Um, but it came out delicious. And then the real thing that I already have said that you've probably already heard me say, but the great thing about making a muffin and putting it in a cake pan is that it is really both a breakfast and a dessert item. Yes. Like, I mean, muffins, obviously we are kidding ourselves about muffins anyway, right? They're like we all know that they're just guys. cake anyway, but like there's something about Like I wouldn't eat a muffin for dessert. You know, I mean, I <laughs> obviously I would eat a muffin for dessert, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't, it isn't like satisfying in the same way as like having a, a slice of a cake shaped item is. And then it was like, yeah, just eating mixed berry cake for breakfast and then having mixed berry cake with vanilla ice cream for dessert. <laughs> like it was a great two days that that lasted. <laughs> it's like your cupcake journey all over again. Yeah, it was really good. Anyway, so just why are we even making blueberry muffins in pans in, I mean, cupcake pans, just make a cake and then eat it twice as often. Here's my here's where I've come around on the the cupcake pans because I have two sizes. Oh, I just mini joking. and the big. Yeah. Like I mean, I still want to make just, cupcakes sometimes, but I think I understand why those little silicone muffin liners became so popular mm-hmm. because you can oh, get the muffin yeah. out. Yeah, like, you know, and it's like for so long we've had these like quote nonstick like pans, but you know it's so funny that you say that because. I was literally talking to my mom last week. She had made something in her muffin pans and she was like scraping it out because they don't actually work the way they're advertised. And given the shape of them, they're a bitch to clean. Mm -hmm. And I really understand how muffin liners became so popular because it's really the only way you can cook with these. Like I was making these little cupcakes yesterday and I was, you know, each time poking little liners in there, but the muffin or the cupcake comes right out and you're like, genius. Mm -hmm. Like... Maybe it's a waste of paper, but what's the alternative? Yeah. You can't get them out. Well, like, actually, now that you're saying that, I think that's probably how I messed my pan up was probably one time not using liners and then having to like knife them out and then just like scraping the pan and then being like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> I probably shouldn't eat that. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure my muffin pan's in a similar shape and I yeah. just exclusively have to use liners. But yeah. Or I have some of those silicone ones too, which mm-hmm. are great for like making mini quiches and stuff because it actually comes out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's... Well, it was a great mystery how we've put up with this yeah. for so long. <laughs> I guess I'm just saying you can still make muffins and they're delightful in just like any kind of loaf or cake round shape. Anything, really, anything worked. <laughs> anything I made worked. an upside down blueberry muffin cake, I think at the very, very start of this. Mm-hmm. 
whole thing. Um, and the only thing that made me angry is the recipe was like, best eaten the same day. Like, I'm like, uh, who's eating yeah. this? <laughs> great. <laughs> also, not true. Throw it in the microwave. It's all revived. It's great. Yeah. Um, but it, I had a similar realization where I was like, muffin in cake form is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think you started something, Jenny. I think so, too. It was also good because that ended up being over Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, we it, it was a nice, like, a blueberry, a berry cake was a good Memorial Day dessert. Because, like, I definitely don't feel like I had the energy to try and make a, a berry pie. Especially, because, again, it's like, where am I going to get fresh berries? I'm not sure that's very feasible. Like, it just was, it, like, having, making something with a lot more effort didn't really seem like it was what I wanted to do last weekend. So it was, like, honestly, muffin batter is like very simple like it was very easy (laughs) I love muffins I think you're right we should never tell ourselves they're health foods but they're but we should eat them yeah yeah (laughs) like I mean you're talking to someone who's consumed probably 10 cupcakes in the last 12 hours yeah Yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) 12 bites of cupcakes maybe (laughs) all right well all right well that's the good part mm -hmm. um Maybe boring for some people. Yeah. I did promise Jenny to tell her about my disasters. Um, you know, on just one last note, I like to share these things when they happen because I generally consider myself an experienced baker mm-hmm. and somebody who succeeds more often than not. But the the main reason people say they don't do things in the kitchen is because they're worried it won't come out well. And, mm. and honestly, the answer is who cares? Yeah. Like, it's probably still going to be edible. Yeah. And you're not selling it professionally, so it doesn't need to be perfect. Oh. And even then, professionals, I've had some bad stuff. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I should say one other thing that I did yesterday, though, that was mostly positive. Oh, okay. Uh, I had to give Alex a haircut yesterday. Oh. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I can quit my day job or anything, and it took forever because I was really scared. Like, I had no, I have no frame of reference. I watched some videos on YouTube to get the basic, like, concept and technique you know, someone to explain that to me, but there's so many questions and it was like, well, I could watch videos for like 12 hours and probably still have questions. So I think I just need to do it. And I I was definitely scared that I was going to cut off too much. So I went very slowly and that was part of why I ended up taking forever. You know, it was like, I ultimately needed to cut like at least an inch off and I was, did it in very small increments anyway, but he looks much more presentable now. And I I think he came out pretty well. So I definitely need to do some touch-ups today because now, now that it's like, you know, and he also like washed his hair and now it's like, you know, like the day after you can kind of see if things aren't sitting right. But yeah. over, he, like, I would not, I'm not going to be embarrassed for him to walk around like this. <laughs> so that was positive. And also I was able to find That's, uh haircutting shears at this like tiny um, pharmacy down the corner from us. And I was really nervous that I, I have like some really small, like um, scissors that, you know, for more like nose hair type of trimming, not for like yeah. hair hair. And I was like, okay, if I have to, I'll use those. But I was able to find real, real nice ones. So that was great. That's awesome. I think Claire buzzed Ryan's hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically had to wear a hat for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I was way too scared to use it. Alex has at least a beard trimmer. I don't know if we have another type of clippers, but I was too scared to use those yesterday also. Because de- that feels like you could really like one wrong swipe and like ruin the whole thing. Whereas with the scissors, it's just easier to control. But again, it did take forever. I think it probably took me like two hours. <laughs> uh, so anyway, standard women's haircut. I it's mean. true. <laughs> I'm just really proud of myself because like he doesn't look wild and it, it, he <laughs> looks much better because his hair was just like really out of control. So I don't know. 
He can go down to the lobby and nobody's going to raise no, their Yeah, eyebrows. nobody's going to be like, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> he did threaten to break into his entire hat collection if things didn't turn out well, so I don't think he has to do that. Yeah. Well, speaking of wild hair, yes. um, let's talk about <laughs> Time Bomb. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Wesley's got some crazy hair. No, I thought you were talking about Illyria's blue hair, but... No, I was talking about Wesley's, like, they're trying to make his hair look crazy, but they've just gelled it yeah. straight up, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something I noticed in this episode. Um, okay, well, so in this episode, everybody basically, like, new status quo, they've seemingly, maybe not come to terms, but Illyria is here to stay, Fred is gone. Um, Gunn is still trapped in the basement of this Wolfram and Hart hell dimension. So Illyria takes it upon herself to go rescue him. She is probably the only one super well equipped to do this. You know, she can get past the gunfire. She comes down to the basement. Gunn tells her, well, there's a hitch. Somebody has to stay with the necklace on. So she cleverly puts the necklace on the executioner Mm -hmm. who then starts to cut his own heart out. Mm -hmm. Um, and she takes Gunn back to Wolfram and Hart. So Gunn has been rescued. Um, everyone's a little bit ruffled by this. Like, you know, Angel asks Wesley if he put her, her up to this. He says, no, she does what she wants. And so she basically tells them, I've done this for you. Like, what's the price? Like, you know, basically, like, what are you going to do for me now? Mm-hmm. So Lyria is clearly becoming more dangerous as she can't be controlled. She's very powerful. Spike is continuing to you know, fight with her to pick up on her powers. And she's basically unpredictable and dangerous to have around, Mm -hmm. but she won't leave because she feels tied to this earth or feels like she should rule it or something. Mm -hmm. So throughout this episode, like it's really hard to follow because there's lots of different timelines going on as Illyria becomes basically unstuck in time Mm -hmm. and travels sort of back and forth in these different scenarios as the rest of the angel team decides that they need to take her out or and kill her is what she thinks or maybe they're actually just trying to limit her powers so uh we get to the point where she kills spike she kills wesley she kills lauren and she's fighting angel and realizes angel is a person for an angel from a different timeline so angel's coming to the end of the story while he's still somewhere in the middle of it (laughs) and sees what happens so he can prevent this ultimate outcome from happening and they end up basically not killing her but demoting her powers so she can't play with time anymore she can't create portals and she's not as strong as she was now she's probably still crazy strong because she's a demon and was a god and they've just like diminished her somewhat um Meanwhile, there's shenanigans with a demon baby cult and something. Um, right. Yeah. right. So yeah. that's basically... <laughs> but basically, they're trying to diminish her powers because they figured out that like she has all this power that ultimately she's pretty much going to explode. Mm-hmm. And in fact, she does that at one point in one of these timelines and the explosion rockets Angel back to the past. Yeah. Um, so he can tell everybody what's going on. Um, um, I, I think that's it. Like, yeah, <laughs> this episode, like I said, was really hard to follow. Um, yeah. And it's, there's a lot of back and forth on not much really. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it was far from my favorite episode as b- both of these were. I, um, I think there were some interesting ideas and I think, 
I, you know, it's not that I, this wasn't the worst episode and kind of, I know something that you want to talk about with both of these is like, okay, we're, these are the last four episodes of this entire show. It's clear at this point that they know they've been canceled. This episode still generally though, I think makes sense to me as needing to be told. Like, I don't know. There are loose ends for me with Illyria being in yeah, this world. Totally. So in from that perspective, I understand why this episode is here. You know, like we, we only have a couple episodes left. Let's kind of like put some pins in the, you know, put, put some finishing touches, not conclusively on Illyria, but at least give her a reason to be stuck with them. And yeah, maybe she needs to be toned down a little bit because it's also clear that like, she's just so powerful that she can manipulate time and she's stronger than everybody. It's like, what are you going to do with a character like that? So from the, from that kind of like overarching narrative storytelling point of view, I didn't hate this. I think that part made sense to me. And also it's like, yeah, if you're going to keep this character around at some point, you kind of need to give them their own dedicated episode where we kind of like not necessarily get to know them, but like just kind of give them a reason to stay in this story. So I think on those kinds of reasoning on that kind of reasons, I don't know why I can't say the sentence like a normal person from that (laughs) angle. I, I think this episode worked pretty well. It just is kind of a mess otherwise. As like any kind of time jumping story, you're obviously getting into dicey territory. You're always going to open up a lot of questions and a lot of plot holes that you certainly won't be able to answer. And I think otherwise it was just like, why was there that other side plot with the demons? Like I have actually some things that I want to get into about that, but mostly it's just like, yeah, it was kind of hard to follow. And at the end of the day, we actually didn't get that much information about Illyria as like a character as I would have hoped to in an episode that's dedicated to her. So I don't know. It was, it was very meh to me. Like it could have been okay. Kind of just fizzled. I think you kind of hit it on the head here because I think you're right. I think this is an episode that on its face seems to be necessary. Like we need to get to know Illyria more and understand what makes her tick and also understand how she's going to fit into this team and and basically be set up to stay because logistically speaking, she's played by Amy Acker, who's still on the show. This character is going to stick around. Mm-hmm. How do we make that plausible? Because they have no hope of controlling her as is, right? But the problem, as I see it, is that they are trying to make a character more knowable who is also a character they've already told us is unknowable because there are no records on her. (laughs) Wesley is finding scraps of information that no one knows anything. The senior partners claim to know something about her and they want her gone, but they don't don't share what it is that they they know. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're trying to reintroduce us or further explore a character that we've also been told that can't be known. So there's that conflict Mm -hmm. right off the bat. So how do you build an episode around that? Well, I don't know if this was the best way to do that. I almost wonder if this would work better if they had just told a straight story of from the beginning, everybody deciding she's really dangerous. Let's try to diminish her powers if we can't kill her and then just show that progression and then if you want to do the time jumps you know it's like every time maybe they get closer to succeeding or something instead of this weird mishmash that because we're in the dark and everyone's in the dark and then the show is also jumping around yeah yeah there's no coherence to this it's true yeah i also don't understand why they ultimately made the tether angel instead of wesley when he's so much clearly more involved in her storyline and he's also just more interesting you know 
Yeah. Well, maybe it's because it's Angel Show or Angel Vampire. I just yeah. They didn't pay any lip service to like why he somehow became unstuck, and I just it's just all kind of questionable. Um. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Is it's like it's really hard to explore this character. I do think Amy Acker is doing a pretty good job with her. You know, for a character that like we weren't that fond of out the gate. I, it's not that I'm warming up to her, but like, I don't, I don't hate her presence on screen. And I think that has everything to do with her. (laughs) I think that has everything to do with the acting and not to do with the writing. (laughs) You know, like sometimes you get bad scripts and you do your best to like make it work. I feel like she's kind of making it work. Yeah. And I think she's also created a, a character that is totally different from Fred. You know, we, we get reminded of that in the next episode, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, she's definitely not the problem here. I think the problem is you know, they're trying to make something specific happen with a very non-specific character. Yeah. And I mean, other than her, even before they kind of, you know, despect her and like took her powers away, it was, I was already like really wondering why she's sticking around. I mean, I get that she doesn't really have anything to go to, but her presence up until they remove her powers or, you know, greatly reduce them is really still questionable. It's just like, I don't understand what she's getting out of this. I don't know what she's hoping to find. I don't understand why she didn't leave immediately. I guess there well, is I think some they kind of hint at that, but they don't yeah. outright tell you. And it's, it's just like a one-off thing she says to Angel, which is, why do you complain about this place? Like you don't even use it to its full potential. You have all this power at your disposal. And so may, yeah, I, she's just drawn to power. Think, like, she's interested in like, she's the only person telling Angel to to kind of lean more into his role in Wolfram and Hart, which is interesting. But on the other hand, I think is a maybe a hint as to why she's still there because she recognizes Wolfram and Hart as the only source of power yeah. left on Earth. Okay. I mean, that makes sense to me. Again, I just always wish but they, don't, they would tie they, things together. It's just together. a one-off <laughs> thing she says to Angel, so it's not really clear. Because I think the other plausible explanation is that despite her protestations, we do see that she's feels a little bit more human than she wants to because of the, you know, presumably just because of being stuck in a human's body. Um, So maybe there's also a hint that like, she just has a little bit of fondness for this place deep inside her because she's in Fred's body or something. I don't know. But again, this is like any kind of more explanation would probably be helpful, (laughs) but whatever. Um, I did like the rescue scene in the beginning and you sort of hinted at this, but I just kind of wanted to touch base on that again her going into that hell dimension to save Gunn. First of all, thank God they didn't write Gunn off the show before the final four <laughs> episodes because I really couldn't quite remember how or when he came back. Uh, so I'm glad about that. Did you have more to add? Because I feel like you did. No, uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, I just thought it was, you know, it was just like a neat resolution to that yeah. because in some ways it seemed like they had written Gunn into a corner. Right. And, and then you're just like, oh, yeah, we have this brute force at our disposal. Yeah. Yeah, just have her take care yeah. of it. I, <laughs> I actually thought that was that was kind of a neat resolution. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, okay, well, then I want to talk about one other uh, symbolic uh, piece of this episode, and then I definitely want... I know you didn't really cover it in the summary, but I do want to talk not so much about the demon cult, but about the kind of final scenes in this episode and Angel's... Okay. What's Angel doing in this episode? But, um, uh, so in this during this episode, we see Lauren come back, He's been tasked by Angel to, like, follow Illyria around the office. 
and report back to him with a phone that has like a walkie talkie feature. I do kind of remember those types of phones being really popular for like a minute. So do you think that was product placement? I do think it was product placement and I was too. Yeah. Uh, I think it was product placement, but well, I was just wondering because like maybe it was like early stages of product placement because they don't tell you the name the name yeah. of it, and then they're not running through all the features. It's true. But I know that was definitely a, a type of phone, or maybe most cell phones for a while had that feature. But there was, like, a moment where you could walkie-talkie people, right? Yeah, Whatever. I think so. I just... It's also a flip phone. I just... Could there be a more, you know, better <laughs> depiction of how useless... It... Mm. It was just so representative of how they treat Lauren on the show that they give him this role. Angel specifically says, I want you to do this thing and report back to me. Lauren does exactly what he's asked. And all we see is Angel covering up the phone so that he doesn't have to listen to the reporting. And like, I get that there's a bad timing involved in that particular scene, but I was just like, you guys literally gave Lauren something to do and then ignored all the results of his efforts. And I was like, if that isn't completely on the nose about how this show treats Lauren, I don't know what is. So it was like, yep. And then here's your walkie talkie. We're going to not his head like a bully. Yes. Yes. Anyway, Lauren, as always, deserves so much better. He was still delightful sneaking around the office in his little old-timey, you know, sneak-around costume. He was adorable. And I don't know why they didn't listen to you at all, Lauren. I don't understand it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lauren. (laughs) Justice for Lauren. It's true. And, you know, and as usual, Lauren and Harmony are always the bright spots in what remains of the show. Harmony offering demons organic cola, you know, the (laughs) typical comedy gold. She was delightful, even though she was, you know, she got, she doesn't get like misused. She just gets underused. So I, I, I enjoyed her presence in this episode. I agree. I liked her trying to kind of keep the demons contained <laughs> yeah. by just continuing to list beverages. Yes. <laughs> I knew they were going to go for the organic cola too, because I just get the way that this, this show, you know, and Joss Whedon write jokes, but it was still pretty funny. So yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Angel's journey. I think I am just so confused about what the plot for Angel is this season. And this episode only further obfuscated it. Like the final, we had this moment where he, he has been continually trying to recommit to basically being unequivocally good instead of just like gray area good. Right. But then for whatever reason in this episode, at the end, he's like, sorry, gun, we have to do this thing. We have to sign this woman's baby over to a demon cult, but like without further explanation or understanding. And it was like apparently tied to something that Illyria told him, but like that connection was completely lost on me. I don't understand where angel is. Is this all something that they're going to once again reveal? Just kidding. We've been hoodwinking you this whole time. Or do I just like, am I just missing something? Well, I definitely missed it too. So unfortunately, I think it's the latter. I think they're going to have some kind of reveal that she gave him some know-how well, or some information. I mean more so that she gave him some speech about like, you're the king of this place, so why don't you use her, your power? And I felt like they, there was some sort of callback to that in that final scene. But I just, I don't thematically follow his motivation <laughs> at all. Uh, or did no, she tell him something I was really confused different? when he walked in and was like, this is what, this is my job. This is what I do. And, you know, Marcus, is that the guy? Like, you know, he's he's been trying to get Angel to kind of focus on the business aspect. And so Angel decides to do that. But I also didn't really understand why, because, you know, we see this whole time, this is in the background, but Gunn has come back to work who, by the way, Gunn was fired. Why is he working? I know. Nobody, whatever. Another minor quibble. They were just Um, joking when they fired him. (laughs) Yeah. So Gunn is like going through the stacks of stuff on his desk and, this 
demon cult has trying to make a deal to get this woman's baby and they realize that when the baby turns 13 like they're gonna sacrifice it Mm -hmm. you know blah 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 standard issue Wolfram and Hart stuff and you know Gunn now has his moral compass set straight and so he's like we can't help them do this never mind that the woman seems to want this to happen but right you know Angel's kind of like oh yeah no that's bad and like kind of staying out of it until at the end of the episode he just you know, takes over and is like, well, yeah, whatever they want, like, we'll let them do this. And I agree with you, it's completely unclear why he has the 180. Yeah, it's clear that he's made some sort of turnaround or he's had some sort of revelation, but I don't feel like they clued us, the viewers, into what that was. Or if they did, I just didn't get it. I think they think... Maybe I had stopped paying attention (laughs) at that point. I don't know. Um, You know, actually, going back, it's it's not that I like this about the episode, but I, I, I have to say Gunn... You know, I know I, we've, and I've specifically given him flack because I don't feel like he's always been able to pull uh, his scenes off totally well, specifically the romantic ones. But even like, I think last week I enjoyed his acting and I really liked him in this one as well. Like, I, I just feel like he did such a good job coming back and just really being subdued and like dazed in this way that's like, it just really made it clear that he was adjusting back to a different reality. You know, he had been in that place, not for super long, but like, it does seem like that sort of daily torture really takes, you know, is is unnerving and takes you kind of out of your normal day to day. I don't know. I just, I thought I really liked the way he played it and the way that it's like, even, you know, he's not dressing up in his lawyer suits yet. He's still being really casual. And it's just clear that Gunn is like really tiptoeing in and trying to gauge like who he is and what he does here. And I don't know. I just thought he did a good job bringing that kind of emotion to it. Definitely. And what do you think about Wesley's refusal to apologize? I don't know. (laughs) I guess I took it more as a, it was an apology without saying it, but yeah, Wesley really probably should have apologized, especially now that he has his memories back about everything that happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Or is he still resentful of that? It didn't seem like he was totally coherent though. So yeah, that's a good point though. He does still owe Gunn an apology. Yeah, I mean, Gunn kind of says, like, well, I mean, in comparison, that wasn't the worst thing that's happened right. in the last few weeks. That's sort of a weak excuse. But Wesley's, like, response was like, oh, I stabbed you, didn't I? Yeah, um, never mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, I know Wesley is weird, but, like, like right now, because yeah, he's I was like, they were really leaving, tr- yeah. but... They yeah. were definitely trying to play up, like, how out of sorts he was, but I... I did You're like right. Lauren telling Gunn not to go into his office because that's where he keeps his crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's... Uh, I mean, if we must. I know. Uh, so, the girl in question... Basically... We're like the episode in question. Yes. I mean, the plot is oh, as a little bit convoluted, but... My best stab at it is that um, Spike and a uh, Wolfram and Hart gets this assignment and they're trying to give it to Spike uh, to basically go fly to Rome and pick up a demon body and bring it back to L.A. because they need it for a ritual. Uh, they've got their reasons for doing that. Spike doesn't want to go until uh, it's sort of revealed to them that Buffy is in that is is there in Rome and also that she's taken up with this 
guy called the Immortal. And so they, Angel and Spike actually have a history with that guy and they suspect that something bad has happened to Buffy and that they need to go there and rescue her. So they both go to both get the the body that they need and also to rescue, quote unquote, rescue Buffy. Um, we get some flashbacks to the previous time, their previous encounters with the Immortal, which basically involved, we never see the Immortal, but he is apparently super suave and everybody loves him. And except for Angel and Spike, because they're too busy being jealous of him. He previously slept with Darla and Drusilla when they were together or what, you know, when they were together with Angel and Spike. So they're jealous of that. And then once they get to Rome, they find out that Buffy's not uh, been kidnapped by him. She's dating him. So they continue to be petty and jealous and are so distracted by that, that they lose the head that the, it turns out to just be a head, not a whole body. They lose the head that they were sent there to get. Uh, And then, they just continue to have run-ins with the local characters before finally heading home, admitting defeat, and then finding out that, in fact, they have the head back in L.A. because the immortal sent it to them with kind of a snarky note. I just have one correction to that last sentence. Sure. They have various run-ins with the local caricatures. <laughs> yes, that is actually <laughs> far more accurate. Yes, thank you. Uh, I did quite mention that also they talked to Andrew a bunch because apparently they couldn't get Sarah Michelle Gellar on the show, but they can get Andrew. <laughs> I mean, fine. Yeah. I like Andrew, but uh, I, I mean, I just, honestly, I hated this episode from start to finish. I hated everything. I hated it. I did not like it. There are so many levels of why it was completely terrible. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, yeah, you know, I'm going to do the, I'm going to break the good news first. Okay. Um, because I feel like I have a lot of thoughts as to like, I don't need to delve too much into like, I think Anyone watching this in 2020 can point to what was obviously wrong with this episode. Right. But um, I will say that I enjoyed seeing Andrew again. Always a pleasure. Sure. Um, did you talk about the Fred stuff? Oh, my God. I completely left that out. Actually, and we, yes, you're right. We should talk about that. Uh, meanwhile, Fred's parents don't know that she's dead, make a surprise drop-in visit to Wolferman Hart, and Wesley is about ready to break the news to them when Illyria comes in, but she's, you know, morphed herself into Fred and mimics Fred so that her parents don't know that she's died. And and then at the end of it, she also more or less, uh, I don't know, hits on Wesley isn't the accurate way to describe it, but basically is like, I can look like this all the time if you want. And he tells her, no, please don't do that. Uh, we should definitely get into that. Cause I've got some questions. Yeah. I mean, I some moral questions, not like logistical questions. I get what happened. <laughs> we can start there. I, okay. on the one hand, I actually like the, the positive thing I like about this was the outcome of that whole scenario okay. of, you know, whether Illyria does the right thing you know, leading, you know, Wesley's trying to be honest with Fred's, Fred's parents and Illyria comes in and pretends to be Fred, whether that's a good idea or not, you know, whatever, but also whether that's creepy or, you know, there's a lot of things about this that I guess I don't really want to think too much about, but what what I do like is the resolution of this where Wesley just shuts it down, where he says, no, like, do not do this. This is not okay. Because I feel like I would not put it past this show to not make that choice. I agree. <laughs> to have Wesley be sleeping with some facsimile of Fred and have it just be weird. And I, I like that for now, at least, he's mm-hmm. said no. Like, do not ever do that again. To be honest, I wouldn't put it past Wesley to do that. That's not even a criticism of the show. I think he's genuinely questionable enough I sometimes. I think he's that, yeah, enough and, that like, he would do it. Yeah, yeah. I, but I'm glad that we don't have to watch it. I agree with you. 
I think I just don't know what to do with that plot line much other than the result of his, like, other than that, what it tells us about Wesley, I don't feel, first of all, I mean, obviously it's completely unfair to her parents and they should have already told her that her daughter, that their daughter died. Like I just, the fact that they think, right, how long has Fred been yeah, dead? Weeks at least. Right. The fact that they think they can make these decisions for her family is completely unacceptable to me. And I pre at least Wesley, when faced with them was going to do the right thing. I, and I don't even blame him. Now, like once Illyria comes in there, it's like that's going to just be too hurtful for them to say like, oh, my God, your daughter's here. And then exp- and try and explain it that way. I, I agree that once Illyria showed up as Fred, he kind of didn't have a choice. But I don't know why they didn't. I mean, as always, they didn't even occur to them that they needed to say something to her parents until the moment they show up at their door, which is just. It's just very typical of these characters and of this show that they didn't think that was important. That was one of the first questions that I had after this all went down was like, when are they going to tell Fred's parents? So I just... Apparently nothing. I just, I I feel like the show is a little bit thinks that this is an okay thing to do to her parents. And I just want to unequivocally say that it's not okay. (laughs) Again, like not that I'm not any further blaming Wesley for what happens in this episode, but it just is... This is a weird thing to kind of throw in there. I think the other point is it is sort of interesting, this idea that Illyria can apparently perfectly mimic Fred. So I don't mind them bringing that up. But once again, kind of in the way that the last episode didn't ultimately tell us anything about Illyria, I wish they had explored her as the A plot and made this Angel Spike nonsense be the the B plot. I feel like I don't know why they didn't flip these stories around because that has at least more meat to it. You know, like there's more development there. There's more depth. There's more moral ambiguity there than like kind of making the Spike Angel thing the the forefront just really also it's just like the, the tones were so different from one another that it just it just didn't work for me. So that was a bit of a scrambled way to say if they were going to do this, I wish they had made that the main plot line because the way that they did it just really did a disservice to any depth that we could have gotten out of that plot line. Yeah, plus if it had been the B-plot, there would have been less of the Angel Spike story. Yeah, exactly. Like, then it maybe would have had less opportunity to be kind of offensive and to be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, One more thing I want to say about the Wesley and Illyria thing, though, is it raises an interesting question about Illyria, right? Like, we talked about Mm -hmm. how in the last episode it's kind of set up to explain her and doesn't. And one thing that's still left hanging is what is her relationship to Wesley? Yeah. She seems to be not controlled by him, but willing to bend for Mm -hmm. him in a way that she isn't for other people. And, you know, she presents this idea of hers as, well, I can't stand your grief, and so I don't want to deal with her parents as well. Like, she presents it as she's protecting herself from having to deal with the human disgustingness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in some ways, I also wonder if she thought she was doing Wesley a favor. Like, oh, isn't this what you want? Yeah, and I think she did. And I'm glad that you brought that up, because I do think that's the... That's why this particular story needed more time in the episode, right? Because there is this, she doesn't, you know, she has this very data personality. She doesn't totally understand things. She definitely doesn't completely understand human emotions. So I kind of, I, as soon as you said that, I'm like warming up to the plot line, right? Like this idea that she's trying to help, but can't do it because she doesn't understand things still is pretty compelling to me. So I just, I wish that they had given that story so much more room to breathe. Because there is yeah, something there. Yeah, I mean, that could have been an interesting episode. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, yeah, then we don't have to feel so questionable for the moral 
judgment of her because it can become much more of a story about, well, how do we reintegrate her and how do we explain to her, you know, how people really feel? I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely a missed opportunity. I mean, and Um, then, yeah, uh, (laughs) moving on. uh I mean, everything about this plot line, I didn't like, I don't like how, you know, patronizing they are about Buffy. I don't like that Italian characters were pretty, caricatures and also said super offensive things that the episode just glossed over in a really creepy way. Uh, But also it's like, again, it's like I couldn't follow, like, is this Spike and Angel do Roman Holiday or is this like, like what, what was this? (laughs) It's like, I, I, I love the idea that we're teaming up Angel and Spike and that we reflect on the time that they did spend together as like kind of friends, you know, in their vampire days. But this was just so all over the place and it just made them bumbling and stupid and and I don't appreciate the way they talked about Buffy and I also don't understand why the show at this point would write Buffy into an episode that she's not going to appear in. <laughs> so I don't right, know. I don't I'm, mind the let's casual. Let's put a pin in that yeah. because I really want to talk about the, the reasoning behind this episode existing. It's just... Um, that's a whole yeah. other consideration. But yes, I, I agree with what you're saying. This... This this episode did not put Spike and Angel in a good light. They no, just look like two immature boys like fighting over a girl and doing so while trying to fill a professional obligation that we've seen them do yeah. completely without issue in the past. Like it turns them into bumbling idiots. Like the moment Angel left that head at the I bar, know, I was like, like what? what are you doing? What? Yeah. yeah, and fighting people and, like, punching each other and the comedy on the Vespa and, like, all kinds of stuff. It it struck an odd note because it's, like, in pursuit of comedy, they really undermined Spike and Angel. And I don't know if the goal was to present them as kind of falling apart when having to deal with Buffy and Buffy moving on and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something there, but it was not worth mentioning like yeah I, I agree that they didn't ultimately explore anything emotionally no. in which case this was all just for fun and then it was kind of bad as a fun episode also so like yeah and why yeah. are we telling yes right because so okay why, let's tell you, why are we telling this so we talked at the beginning of this you know these are the the fourth and third episode mm-hmm. counting down to the end right like so we've got our antipenultimate episode that is this one the girl in question this is the, you know, almost second to last episode of Buffy or of Angel. Of Angel. It's, and and we're using it to explore Buffy again. Yeah, yeah. We've already encountered this in some way in this season when Angel came to LA. I mean, sorry, when Andrew came to LA and kind of told Angel, you know, Buffy's cutting ties with you because of this whole Wolfram and yeah. Hart nonsense and. And yet we find out that Angel still has spies on Buffy, tracking her whereabouts. One of the spies tells Buffy tells him Buffy's in trouble. And so Angel flies to to Rome to rescue her without questioning or asking whether she is in trouble, without yeah. thinking about how inserting himself in her life might be a problem, without even questioning whether she needs his help. Yeah. Like none of this is considered. It's just let's go. Yeah. Buffy's in trouble. Only to find out Buffy's not in trouble. And it's like the show wants us to have Spike and Angel confront this idea that Buffy is moving on, which I thought we had already confronted yeah, at the end of Buffy. Yeah, so why we have to do this is a question. And it's almost like the show or the writers are thinking, okay, we have 
two episodes left of this show, time to tie up loose ends and, you know, because we're not ending on our own schedule, but let's try to tie off where we can, right? But my question is, what are the loose ends of this show? Because I don't really feel like there are very many, and I really don't feel like this Buffy question is a loose end. Like, Buffy... Buffy's situation has nothing to do anymore with Angel and Spike. And Angel and Spike chasing after her in Europe, I think one of the reasons I hated this episode so much is it felt so unnecessary. Because one, it's incredibly insulting to Buffy. It was, yeah. And two, I don't really understand why we're doing this. Like, the they're dealing with a, a pending apocalypse, and this is the most important thing that they can go do. Yeah. That doesn't track. Like, it doesn't track with... Angel and Spike. I mean, maybe Spike is, you know, still trying to get over like whatever happened. But I mean, five seasons ago, Angel left Buffy yeah. because <laughs> he realized she needed her own path, yeah. and he, and he's not you know, he was only going to stand in her way, and that they were just distractions to each other. So then, why now, before the end of Angel, are we coming back to this again? Because it seems like Angel would have already made this decision long ago, not to even bother with this anymore and this turns him into a petty child and I also don't agree that the show is tying anything up by doing this we're just stepping yeah. back into the world of Buffy and asking what is the point and 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 I didn't explain that as well as I yeah. wanted to but my main question is like why now at a time yeah. when I would expect the show to be tying up loose ends yeah. what are those and it's it's not this why are we why are we dealing with this why are we spending any time here at all yeah it's a good point and I I think you're giving them too much credit in thinking that they were even trying to tie up loose ends because I just really don't think, <laughs> I think they just thought, I think they just had this idea that we wanted to see more buddy cop of Angel and Spike. And this was something that they had drafted already and they just couldn't be bothered. Not couldn't be bothered. It felt spiteful to me that they were like, well, we wanted to write this episode before we found out we we're getting canceled. So we're just doing it anyway. That's kind of more how it felt to me that they were meaningfully trying to do anything because now that you're bring, now that you're explaining it all, I'm like, yeah, if anything, the loose end isn't their romantic relationship with Buffy. Because first of all, that has been well dealt with in Buffy. But more importantly, like where we left off, it wasn't that Angel was butthurt because Buffy didn't love him anymore. It's that he was annoyed that she didn't trust him anymore and didn't trust his office. So it's like, if they were going to draw any conclusions or try and tie anything up, it needed to be earning her trust back, right? And which they have made absolutely no attempts to do that in this episode. If anything, they're completely doing the opposite. And I honestly... Well, I was going to say, if, if you're worried that Buffy doesn't trust you, then spying exactly. on her is probably not the way back into her good I think, I just don't understand the logic of a character, Angel, who was pretty much always... He was always treated as more mature through se- the first three seasons of Buffy than she was. And like over the course of five seasons of his own show, he has somehow disintegrated into his own 15-year-old self. Like, right? Like, how, have he, how has he gotten less emotionally competent over the years and more petty and Here's, more childish is because they just think it's funnier, but like, it's not funny for him to not trust Buffy. Well, here's a note. Okay. In an episode filled with caricatures of Italian people yeah. and Italy in general, I think we're also facing caricatures of Spike and Angel. we are like, yeah. I think these are, you know, this is kind of a common thread of TV shows. And one of the reasons I think you and I both agree that TV shows should definitely have a set limit. Yes. <laughs> of time is that as you go on yeah you just get expand with, and expand without without fail basically unless there's like a strict you know timeline or you're running 10 episode seasons or something characters tend to get broader and broader mm-hmm. as they go you know because one thing tracks with an audience and they just double down or they just writers get lazy and i think as we've seen 
this show progressed, Angel has gone from wound up and brooding to almost comically buffoonish yeah. in his yeah. attempts to do anything. And it, I think, I think, maybe I am giving them too much credit, but I think what they're trying to do is show that Angel has opened up and, you know, the last five years have made him let people in and, you know, decide that it's okay to experience more of a human life. But the way they're trying to present that is Angel just turns into an idiot. Yeah, and I think... And I don't know why that has to be the case. I think that you're right that that is what they're trying to do, but here's where, again, it's like we can't give them credit because in the last episode, he, like end of Godfather style, shut the door on gun. You know what I mean? Is like, he's also still being really dramatic, even if he's not being broody anymore. Is it just like, where is Angel's headspace? He's cutthroat because he's going to continue to serve the law firm or he's planning some long con, even though there's only three episodes left or he's just goofy. What, you know, slap, stick guy it's like I they're not they're so inconsistent with him that I can't even say oh well he's opened up because he didn't do that last episode right so it's like I don't know they're just all over the place they have never had a good emotional story line for Angel once he got on his own show I agree it's like when he left Buffy it was like it made sense I understood where he was and even though the earlier episode earlier seasons of Angel the show have been, were so sloppy in so many ways. I feel like I still at least understood Angel's journey as a character. And now I, they have just completely lost the thread. At such a late, point, such in a late point in the too. game. When an apocalypse is going on, they take their la-di-da trip to well, Rome. Okay, here's to, the other yeah. thing. We keep mentioning the apocalypse. Yeah, but it's so underdeveloped. It doesn't get mentioned in either of these episodes. Well, it gets name-checked, but that's it. They're like, isn't there an apocalypse? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, isn't there? If it where's Lindsay? Where's Lindsay? Who is Lindsay? Why is he here? Should Connor come back? I don't know. Anything <laughs> would have been better than this episode, though. I I honestly hated it, and I really did not appreciate their trying to make light of racial slurs in the Italian office. Like that was just so yeah. out of place. Even at the time, I can't imagine that that was like well received. But that scene really aged badly. Joking about I, racial racial rela- slurs rela- from the Italian characters, and also if I were Italian, yeah, I would have been offended same. as hell watching yeah, this episode. Yeah, it's like it was bad on all counts. Yeah, I did. I will say, okay, I, I want to say some more positive things. Okay. I did love all of the allusions to the immortal. Like we never actually see him, yeah. but he did I love like the constant cool like fawning over him <laughs> of like every character That's like true. who's met him. Like, but the eyes and the the chest yeah. and the you know whatever, and then the 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 CEO of the Italian Wolfman Heart office is like, oh no, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And I actually even like the demon um, guy. Well, you know, they went there to get a demon head and somebody, he, oh, yeah. he like uh, his butler type character or whatever, like made off with the head so that he could get a ransom on it. And they were like, are you in love with the immortal? And he was like, yeah, actually. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> glad that they at least went, leaned into it at that point. But ugh. I just, I, there's so much good to be mined between Spike and Angel. I just wish this isn't where we were. Just waste, wasting yeah. time. There's only two more episodes left. There's I so would many say up. we're treading water, but I don't even think it's I that. I agree. Well. Um, yeah, so not a fan Mm-mm. at all of this episode. Um, this is the one I texted you in the middle of when I was like, I don't know if I can finish this. No, and I had the same <laughs> thought because I had only finished it like half an hour before you. 
I was like, surely this must be almost over. No, no I'm only 20 minutes in. How's that possible? And Alex saw my face at the end of the episode, and he was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, he was like, you can't hide it. And I was like, uh, I can't. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, well. <sighs> okay. We we have two episodes left. We do. <laughs> I mean, thank God. I I Hopefully we can enjoy it. I mean, there have been these little bright spots in this season. I'm have fond memories of the finale so i'm hopeful that we'll feel that way next week but we'll see i do too i am excited to watch it i will say yeah, that me too. i mean not even on the level of like it's almost over but like no just i like, actually do remember enjoying that episode i think that i remember the angel finale being actually really me good, too so yeah i'm hoping that that opinion holds up is it the the bitches back veronica bars of angel <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm, you I know mean, what I'm talking about, right? The last episode yeah, of season yeah. three, when it's no, like I'm people hoping. didn't like season three of Veronica Mars for pretty good reasons, and then the last episode, like suddenly they found their voice again and knew exactly what they were doing. And it's like I feel I'm hopeful that that's how this is gonna feel. Of like we finally figured out what we needed to do with our main character this whole time, and we're gonna do it for one episode. <laughs> and if only we had stopped there. Um, yeah. Well. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so. Anyway. Okay. Well. What are the next ones? We have... Um, Power Play and Not Fade Away. Not Fade Away. Okay. You know, I actually looked that up at the end of this episode because I, I couldn't remember what episode number this was. And I was like, wait, is this... Are we... Like, I finished this episode and I was like, is the next one the second to last episode? And I was so furious when I realized that it was. <laughs> it was like, again, going back to like, and this is what yeah. you're doing. So, <laughs> um, anyway, we've said our piece. Yeah. But, okay, I'm optimistic that the final two will be too. good. And also, Jenny, it's our last episode. I know. It's going to be weird. I mean, are we going to do, maybe we can talk yeah. offline about if we want to do like a recap episode or mm-hmm. something. I was wondering um, about that too. Yeah. Because I, I cannot believe we're finally there. <laughs> it's been three years in the making. <sighs> I remember originally penciling in that this would end like December 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So six months ago, um, not, you know, not too bad. Um, We've taken some breaks along the way. (laughs) But yeah, next week is the final. So it's crazy, crazy. Did not think we'd be getting there in these circumstances. It's true. But life just throws you curveballs. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, All right. But until then, do you have any... I guess it's like our second to last chance to give a pop culture recommendation. I Man, I should have prepared for this. Um, I do. I actually, I'm I'm pretty certain that I brought this up before, but uh, what the heck? We'll mention it. I'm going to mention it again. Um, Netflix has done for the last like year or two. Uh, they did like a um, re a, a, a redo. What are those called? <laughs> Whatever. Netflix remake. Remake. Thank you. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> a remake of Shira which is like, you know, like an old like Saturday morning cartoons. It was this girl version of He-Man. I never watched the original ones, but for a lot of reasons, I knew about this new one. And we've been watching it, um, you know, I've been watching it off and on since it came out. And it's just so delightful. It just, it scratches every itch that you think a show like it would. Because it's like, okay, it's a remake of a like Saturday morning cartoon, right? So it like draws all these influences from that kind of cartoon, that kind of storytelling. It's also clearly like the spiritual successor of Steven Universe, which is another cartoon that from the last couple years that I adore. Um, he has a similar, like, and not similar animation style, but they both have these really like pastel and beautiful color palettes that are like really sweet. 
and a lot of the storytelling and plots ultimately revolve around like really positive moments of like friendship and forgiveness and things like that. Like there's kind of nothing bad I could say about it because it's just delightful, but it's also like, it's really easy to watch. Like it's not, I have admittedly missed some of the bigger um, like mythos of the stories because I have used it as a background show, like something that I do watch while I'm cleaning or whatever, because it's so, it's just so easy to watch. And I, I'm sort of kicking myself for having missed some of that stuff, but I also just figure I'm going to rewatch it at some point anyway. And it's like, the episodes are short, you know, they're in the like 20 to 30 minute range, not the hour long thing. Like everything about it is just like easy to watch, easy to consume. But the thing I specifically want to talk about, so the fifth season came out, it's the last season. So we were watching, I'm finishing the fifth season now. I have not seen the end of it. Um, and obviously the show owes a lot of debt to all these shows that came before it and influenced it. Um, but one thing that is so clear watching the fifth season of this show is that they had that, uh, plan in mind from the beginning. Like, it's so clear that they knew, I don't know if they knew how many seasons and episodes exactly they were going to do out the gate, but it is so clear that they mapped out the story of like, okay, here's where she is and here's where they're going to be at the end. Because every big development and big reveal that has happened over the course of five seasons has, is something that they had foreshadowed or explicitly mentioned earlier. And where it really caught my attention was that in the fifth season, I don't want to spoil things, but like there, you know, it did start out pretty much as like, it's a, there's a couple of main characters and they have one foe. And then the foes have sort of grown in the way that like Buffy has like a small time, you know, big bad. And then it kind of gets bigger and then it kind of gets bigger and then kind of gets bigger. But it's like, so because they charted it out, from the get-go. I mean, and I'm just assuming, I haven't read anything about the writers. I just think that like, they knew exactly what they were going to do. So by the time they reveal this even bigger villain, it just made sense. It wasn't like, oh, now you're just trying to one up yourself. It was like, clearly you were telling a big, big story and you just had to do it little pieces at a time. I was just so satisfied watching it today because we watched it right after Angel. And I was like, there is a way to do this. And granted, obviously the way that they make shows now and on Netflix and with all of this knowledge is totally different than how we made, you know, how Buffy got made. And they didn't know how many seasons they were going to get. And TV, you know, TV has come, has changed a lot. So it's not that I'm trying to criticize the old shows. It's just say that, like, I'm so impressed that somebody has come and used all those lessons and used them really effectively to also just make a delightful pink and purple glittery cartoon that has the best theme song I have ever heard in a show period. Like I never, I never skip it because it's so delightful and it's also short. So it's like, you can't, it's like, even by the time you skip it, you're like, yeah, it's going to be over anyway. So it's like, it is just this like cheery nineties cartoon theme song. And it's like, so it's just, it's just adorable. Anyway, I don't, you know, if you don't like cartoons, like you're, you're probably not going to like it. So I'm not trying to say that like everybody would like this, but like if you like Steven Universe or if you have fond memories of watching cartoons as a kid and you still watch them as an adult, I really think you would like it. And you should at least just listen to the theme song because it's like so positive and upbeat. I really love it. I dance to it every time I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when a theme song is like that, where you're just kind of like, like you know, literally, you, yeah, literally the, you just get the lyrics. It involve the words we're gonna win in the end and I'm like I guess it's so like it's just so happy and like makes you feel good every time so anyway way to go Shira! I can't wait to finish it and then to read up all the things that I missed or theories or whatever I'm sure there's tons of internet writing about it that's what I've got cool I don't really have anything I have a couple things I could bring up but I one of them is maybe on a heavier topic that I don't really want to mm. get into today, yes. so I think I'll just keep it to myself. Um, but maybe I'll try to come up with something good for next yeah. time. Okay. 
It's fine. I talked um, for a long time about mine, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Yikes. Um, I think I'm going to be Team Lorne. I know that's not in the yeah. spirit of how we normally do it, but, like, honestly, no one else deserves it. <laughs> I know. I'm really struggling. I feel like I had an idea before, and I don't... I mean... God. Yeah. I mean, I think... I can't not say something. I don't know. Fred's parents? <laughs> I know. I was going to maybe say gun. Yeah, I would accept that. You're... Yeah. 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 Gun has been in a good place. <sighs> yeah. This is tough. Like, everyone's yeah. <laughs> I guess I could also say Team Andrew, but why? I know, yeah. I know. We also didn't talk about the, like, straight washing of Andrew. It's true. But that, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Maybe he was on mission. I don't know. But it was that weird. Was, I felt like that was really yeah. weird. Um, okay, well. I'm Team Lauren we'll and Team Question Mark. <laughs> Yeah. Team Team, Gun-ish. Team Gun? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, we'll, we will be back for the finale next time. We will. Um, So talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.